Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Bruce. And with me as always, the man himself, the illustrious beat writer over at Dogs HQ, Palmer Toms. PT. What's good with you, brother? Doing well. Just made the trip back to Nashville for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Jake. I know we're recording this on uh, on Wednesday, but we'll go out on Thursday. So happy Thanksgiving to all you listeners. Uh, we're we're certainly thankful that you're a part of our part of our Dogs HQ family. Um, you know, and and happy to have you along for the ride with us. Um, certainly been been a fun one so far this season, and. Next step in that uh, in in that process is is Georgia Tech this coming Saturday. Boy, yeah, Georgia fans got a lot to be thankful for this year. I should say, uh, looking like a shoe in for the playoff. Uh, you know, uh, all things considered, uh, I post like I posted on Twitter the other day. Auburn on a three game losing streak. Georgia Tech just got their ass whooped, and uh, Florida's without a coach. So uh, a lot to be thankful for if you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan this week, I think, um, but throughout this season as well. And uh, like you said, Georgia Tech on the schedule this upcoming weekend. Um, uh, you know, clean, old-fashioned hate. Uh, it is a rivalry game. It is what it is. But I got to tell you, Palmer, I, I've had people speaking to me about this in the same breath that they spoke uh, about Charleston Southern. I mean, people are just not giving a lot of respect to these Yellow Jackets. And I get why. When you look at the numbers, it kind of bears that out. And, uh, 
you know, probably pretty damning when you're thinking about Jeff Collins, especially a defensive minded guy. You're talking about the number 114 total defense in all of college football in the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And it's not much better on offense. Uh, number 79 in total offense. Just not a recipe for a lot of wins. That's why they find themselves three and eight coming into this game. But you look at it, and they've got a couple. I mean, at least I think they're a little bit surprising. A 45 to 22 win over UNC, which has been pretty good the rest of the season. Um, you know, uh, a win over Duke, and then, um, you know, well, Kennesaw State, your other one. So uh, maybe not, maybe not that surprising that they were able to take down the Owls. But you know that UNC win that that's not a bad win to have on your resume. Um, but three and eight is what it is. Georgia eleven zero coming into this one. I guess uh, breaking it down, Palmer. Looking ahead, you know what do you see in this matchup, if anything? I mean, is there anything that that scares you uh, for Georgia's chances? Any players they're going to have to contain? I mean. And from where I'm sitting, just doesn't seem like a lot of that. Yeah, I think when you look at this Georgia Tech team, uh, Jameer Gibbs is is certainly the most uh, talented player on this roster that Jeff Collins has recruited. Um, you know, he, he's a playmaker in the ACC, and, and you know, speaking with with some Georgia Tech people, um, he's he's a guy that that a lot of teams in the ACC would like to have uh, averages. 12.82 yards uh, per attempt. Excuse me. Uh, I was about to say, that boy got a lot of attempts per game. Uh, <laughs> 5.28 yards per attempt. Uh, not too shabby. Uh, and and he's, he's played in 11 games, 745 yards, four touchdowns. Um, it has been pretty limited in terms of his yards per game. Uh, but he's a playmaker in, in the return game. He's a playmaker, uh, you know, whenever the ball is in his hands. Um, also among Georgia Tech's leading receivers, 35 receptions, 474 yards, two touchdowns there. Um, in terms of the quarterbacks, I think that that's a talking point this week for Georgia Tech, and it has been for the last couple of weeks with um, with Jordan Yates expected to make the start. Um, backup coming into the season, he's, he's started uh, the last – started five games for them coming into Saturday, um, likely to make his sixth. In place of uh, Jeff Sims, who who is you know certainly an athletic guy, um, but but it has been banged up, uh, you know, wearing a boot on his right foot. You know, I, I think that if if you're Georgia Tech, you don't have. I mean, obviously this is a rivalry game, and and you want to play your best game against against the number one team in the country. You want to send your seniors out on a high note. Uh, would would be one of the highest notes of their careers uh, if they were able to knock off the number one ranked team, uh, you know, and and in their careers that way. Um, I don't see it happening. I, I I know. I mean, we talked about setting a line uh, for this game, and I said forty two, and you thought that was too low. Vegas set it at thirty five. Yeah. Uh, so if if you're a if you're a betting man, uh, that that could be of interest to you. Um, I, I just, you know, I don't see, see anything that really scares me about this Georgia Tech team. Like I said, Gibbs is a talented player, uh, but but Georgia, you know, he's, he's running behind an offensive line that, that has a walk-on starting. Uh, that is not a recipe for success against Jordan Davis or Jalen Carter or Devontae Wyatt or Trayvon Walker or N'Kobe Dean or Channing Tindall or Quay Walker. The, the list goes on and on and on. And, and you could probably get into the second team guys for Georgia. I mean, yeah. Nazir's, Nazir Stackhouse could probably dominate this, this, you know, Georgia Tech offensive line. 
Um, I, I think that, like you said, this there's a lot of people talking about this game in the same breath as Charleston Southern. And Kirby Smart won't be one to do that, but he's certainly glad that he's not having to play uh, a ranked Arkansas team in a physical game and then going on the road to play uh, you know, Auburn, uh, you know, ahead of an SEC championship. He's he's certainly counting his blessings that he's got Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech to round out the season. Um, you know, I, I think if you're Georgia, you know, this is this is kind of in the same boat as that Charleston Southern game where you want to get your guys in, get ahead, and get out of there. Get, get out of there healthy, get get the guys out of the game, get them rested, noon kickoff. So you know, you you will have more time to get those guys back to Athens, especially playing on the road. You want to get back to Athens and start preparing for Alabama as soon as possible. They've probably already been preparing for Alabama. Uh, Kirby, like we said, Kirby would never admit yeah, to right. that. Uh, but, but, you know, my guess is that they've at least done some Alabama prep over the last couple of weeks. Um, with the Crimson Tide now officially locked in, I feel like there, there might be even more of that. Uh, but, you know, I do think that Jordan, that Kirby has a lot of respect for this rivalry, having played in it, having coached in it, uh, and 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 having grown up uh, in in the state of Georgia. I, I think that obviously he's from South Georgia, so maybe uh, you know some of the the Georgia Florida rivalry was a little bit more meaningful to him. Uh, but for for folks in Atlanta, where where there is a major recruiting base, where there's a major alumni base, this is a big rivalry game. Yeah, and well, and I and I'll tell you this: I really do think that uh, Jeff Collins has done a pretty okay job when it comes to recruiting at Georgia Tech. I think that he's really pulled in some good players. He's done a great job utilizing the transfer portal. I mean, you see guys like Kenyatta Watson Jr. Um, you see guys like um, oh god, there's Miles Sims from Michigan was another guy who transferred. Derek Allen was at Notre Dame. I mean, these are familiar names to Georgia fans, especially if you're talking about recruiting, you know, three and four years ago. These are guys that were kind of on everybody's radar. Um, and so he's done a good job, I think, of building in state. Uh, like you mentioned, Jameer Gibbs uh, was a kid that, you know, Georgia Georgia wasn't chasing all that heavily after. I thought they should have. I think that he's an excellent player. Um, but, you know, Jamius Griffin was another guy. I mean, just a number of guys on this roster you might recognize. But like you said, Probably in the important spots, it really hasn't come come through for them um, to some degree. Uh, you know, the offensive line is what it is. Um, you know, it's still kind of still kind of going, still kind of growing there. Um, you know, but there are some guys. But the reality is, Georgia Tech's three and eight. Their defense has been really bad. Their offense hasn't been much better. Georgia's been fantastic on both ends of that spectrum. So. I think we will see a heavy dose of the uh, the second team and and perhaps even the third team as we did against uh, Charleston Southern. I think that's yeah. probably why you saw the line be what it is because you know George is probably going to dip into those reserves. Maybe they won't be able to produce quite the same, but you know they're going to be able to get in there and and have some opportunities as well. And Georgia Tech's probably going to keep their top flight guys in there if you know just to. I mean, see where they for, think for stand. pride's sake, for yeah, pride's exactly. sake, right, right. To get some of these guys that that have you know spent years and years and years in the program uh, to get them some reps and and you know again not necessarily going out on a high note if if you are losing in in the fashion that you know Vegas expects but you know maybe having a moment 
you know, a, a big tackle for loss or something, something that you can feel proud about going out in your senior day style. Yeah. Um, I I think looking at this Georgia tech defense, something that stands out to me and and it's probably because of of a factor of the offenses they've played a factor of their offense, not being able to be on the field. It is interesting to see that the top five leading tacklers for the yellow jackets are all, all have more tackles than Georgia's leading tackler, Channing Tindall, who has 55 on the year. Uh, You've got Quez Jackson, who's got 97. Uh, What's that? He's out of Peach County, uh, like Kiaris Kiaris Jackson. Uh, They played together in high school, had a chance to watch him. Yeah, uh, you've got a Maryland transfer in Ace Ely who's got 86. Both of those guys are top 10 in the ACC in terms of tackles. Uh, Wanye Thomas is is top 15 in tackles. Uh, He's got 76. So you know th- th- this is a this is a team that has some players that can you know that can hang. Um, but but I, I I think that the talent that Georgia the the, the biggest difference here is, is what they've recruited. Uh, the talent that Georgia has recruited versus the talent that Georgia Tech has recruited. Yeah. Um, you know I, I think that that's a factor of making that transition from Paul Johnson to Jeff Collins. I think Collins has done a much better job of recruiting at Georgia Tech than what. Johnson was doing obviously it's two completely different styles I mean you're, you're finally seeing Georgia Tech run shotgun uh under under Jeff Collins um I, I remember I, I thought it was funny when during that spring game and and he lined up under center and then they backed out into uh into the shotgun and all the fans cheered um you know kind of transitioning signifying that that transition uh f- from you know an old age offense to maybe trying to do a little bit uh new age stuff um, I, I think that Collins is, is making steps in the right direction. I mean, they've got a top 25 recruiting class in the country this year. Um, you know, I, I think that they are – there is enough talent in the state of Georgia to go around for any team that comes in here, and especially if you're a team that's based in Atlanta, right in the heart of the state. It plays in a Power 5 conference. It's, it's not the SEC, but it's, it's you know, not – you know, the, the AAC it's, it's not, uh, you know, some small conference it's, it's the ACC and, and, you know, you're going to be playing big games against Notre Dame or Clemson or North Carolina or whatever. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to be on a national spotlight in the ACC more than you would in some of these smaller conferences. And, and so, you know, with, with what, uh, you know, Georgia comes in and and tries to, you know, you're, you're seeing Georgia and Alabama and Auburn and Clemson and Tennessee and Florida and, and, and all these teams come to Atlanta, come to the state of Georgia to recruit. It makes South Carolina is another one. I just, you know, the, yeah. the, is a is a border state there. You're seeing those teams come to the state of Georgia to recruit. But on the guys that those teams may overlook, Jameer Gibbs would be a great example there. There are still talented players in the in the Peach State that Georgia Tech can bring in. So I think that Collins is making steps in the right direction. I just don't see it playing out that way on Saturday. Uh, you, you know, looking at the talent differential, the recruiting differential, and, and quite frankly, the re- differential in results that we've seen on the field between Georgia and Georgia Tech. Well, I mean, 
if the guy's going to do it, he's going to have to have time. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, uh, it was three, a huge transition. Sure. Three games, three games, three games, won through his first three seasons. I mean, uh, three games each year, uh, three in 2020, uh, three in 2019, three and nine that year, three and seven last year during the COVID year and three and eight this year. I mean, the there's frustration for sure uh, amongst the Georgia Tech fan base. But like you said, I mean, look, Florida, this is not, okay? This is not that This is not that gig. And also, too, you're not having to revitalize so much. Uh, like you said, they were kind of stuck in that old school offense, that triple option. It's really difficult to get away from, um, especially in the modern game and transitioning into the modern game. That's something that's going to take, I would say, I mean, I, I would give the guy five years. Because I, I think you could, you can accurately judge where things are once you've completely cleared house of of the previous regime here. Um, you know, also I, yeah, I think he, that Collins needs to be able to see one of his recruiting classes all the way through yes, to have yeah. any chance yeah, to, to see that transition. But hey, we're not here today to defend Jeff Collins because this is a Georgia show, and uh, we're pretty sure he's going to get rocked on Saturday. Um, in terms of Saturday, uh, you know, I guess offensively, what do you? Yeah, I mean, how do you think we'll see this quarterback situation break down? You know, I, I think it's going to be a lot of what we have seen over the last couple of weeks. Stetson Bennett to start. JT Daniels can come in when, when Georgia is handedly ahead. Um, whether that is in the first half or second, I mean, it, it took until the second half uh, last weekend. Um, uh, did he get it in the second quarter? Now that I think about it, uh, JT? I, I, I can't remember. But yeah, I can't but anyways, I, I I think that the the, the snap count, um, the the distribution of snaps will be very similar to what we've seen in weeks past. Um, I, I it's gonna again, it's gonna be interesting, and I just put out the red shirt report. Uh, looking at some of the, the the impact that freshmen have made this year, it's going to be interesting to see some of those guys that, that have an opportunity to play. Um, you, you don't have anybody that can burn a red shirt playing in this game, uh, at least among those true freshmen. Um, you know, you've you've got a couple guys that have played in three games, and they've got four you know four games that they can play in without burning it. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see some of those guys. Uh, you know, again, likely get an opportunity to 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 grow and develop. Uh, on, anybody, yeah. anybody of particular interest to you on that? Uh, you know, kind of right on that cusp. This being their fourth game, and maybe you know, if you're gonna save them, you know, should you save them for an SEC championship? Should you save them for a potential playoff game? Uh, you Xavier know, sorry. Kinda- Xavier sorry would be the one that's interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, just because I think he, you know, we and I wrote this earlier this week. But Kirby has said that Sori has come a long way. Uh, you know, he, he moved from outside linebacker to inside linebacker just because he doesn't have the size, the speed to hang out with an outside linebacker, uh, you know, in, in terms of what they need uh, at that position. They need somebody that can really hold an edge, somebody that's big and physical, a, a guy like Robert Beal, uh, you know, that, that may be more the, – the way that Georgia uses their outside linebackers, and, and we've had this discussion on the board this week, um, you know, with, with people pointing to that position as maybe a, a, a position of need in the transfer portal. The way that Georgia uses their outside linebackers, it's more like a 4-3 defensive end than it is a yeah. true 3-4 outside linebacker. Yep. Uh, you know, because you've seen three inside linebackers on the field at the same time, that to me, that just signifies that they think, you know, it, we can put a quote unquote outside linebacker, walk him down to the line of scrimmage, 
and and then have the other three guys be inside linebackers, put Nicobe Dean in the middle, put Quay Walker and Channing Tindall on the outside. Both those guys have, have the ability to cover sideline to sideline. They have the ability to get after the passer. Uh, they have the ability to cover in, in space. You know, I, I think that the way that Georgia uses the, the, the so-called outside linebacker is, is more as a defensive end. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I know both of us have, have talked to Michael Williams and that he's mentioned that, that they mm-hmm. you know have, have mentioned him playing a little bit of that outside linebacker role. Uh, and, you know, he, he's being recruited by most places as a d- defensive lineman. Uh, you know, I think you see that with Trayvon Walker. They, they've dropped him back in space, you know, d- just different looks from the outside linebacker. So it, as it relates to Sori, him making that move to inside, uh, I think that he has, you know, an opportunity to grow. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to see him move back outside after this season, after he's got a full off season, because he came in banged up, was was injured during the spring, uh, limited in what he could do. I don't know if he's going to move back to the outside with a full off season of work and, and strength and conditioning program, but it certainly is interesting to see because he he, he made some plays, you know, with, with Georgia being limited, uh, you know, Kirby said they made the move because of what he was, that he didn't have that size and speed and strength, but also because of what they didn't have. They lost Tresman Marshall. They lost Ryan Davis. They needed guys at that inside linebacker group. And it's interesting because they also need guys at outside linebacker with the loss of Adam Anderson. Uh, Nolan Smith has been banged up. You you didn't see him in the game on Saturday. So they need guys at outside linebacker too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But but I think that they feel comfortable using Channing Tindall, Quay Walker as as a quote-unquote outside linebacker there. Uh, you know, doing a lot of the same things that, that you know, that that group does um, that, that your traditional outside linebacker does. So Sori is one that I would watch um, both him and Lavoisier Carroll have played in three games. I don't see them needing Carroll uh, as much as they may need Sori. I don't know that they need Sori, but he could be of help, uh, could be a benefit there. Um, after that, it's, it's a lot of guys that that have, I mean, Nylon Green and, and Brock Vandegrift have played in two games. I think I don't, we have to worry about Nylon Green playing this week. Yeah, I, I don't either. We'll, uh, we'll touch on that in just a second. But. Yeah, I, I don't see either of them. Maybe Brock gets in this game, but but it, I, I would imagine it would be very similar to what he did in the last couple – the last game and, and, and his previous appearance. I mean, he's played in two games and he's thrown one pass. He's, he's seen a lot – done a lot more handing off of the ball than he has dropping back to, to make a throw. I, I think it's interesting. The guys that played in their first game this past weekend, uh, you know, there were six of them that, that made their appearance and, and it isn't, you know, now looking at that class of 2021 that signed the true freshman uh, every one of them has played in a game this season. Uh, and, and so, you know, good for Georgia to get those guys, some of those opportunities, good for the starters to do their job so that those younger guys uh, those developmental dogs can get in the game. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I don't know that there's anyone like Kirby said, assessing the play of some of those younger players is really tough because of the opponent and, and because of, you know, maybe they flash against Charleston Southern, but you know that they're playing Charleston Southern and, and not, and a team of the caliber that they will play in the playoffs or the SEC championship or whatnot. Uh, Georgia tech, closer but still not up to that caliber i mean they're they're a power five team but they're they're not uh an alabama caliber team they're not up ohio state or a cincinnati or notre dame or whoever georgia would play in the playoffs um so you know he, he said 
There's nobody that screamed, play me over the guy in front of me. And, yeah. and I think that says about all you need to know about the freshman that got in the game this past weekend and, and the freshman that could have an opportunity to get in the game uh, this weekend. Even some of the guys that have burned their red shirts, they've done so because they've played primarily on special teams more so than having a real role in, in the success of this offense or defense. I mean, Brock Bowers and A.D. Mitchell, obviously they've had their role. Uh, you know, they've been healthy. They've combined for 877 yards, 10 scores, 57 receptions. Um 11 scores if you want to add in uh, Bowers' rushing touchdown there. Um, I, I think that Javon Bullard has made an impact. Javon Dumas Johnson has made an impact. Uh, Smile Munden has made an impact. But th- those guys, uh, you know, more so than other Bullard maybe more so than others, uh, having played some with the first team at star. Uh, but Dumas Johnson, Munden, Lassiter, Chambliss, those guys are guys that are making their impact known on special teams and, and more so than in the actual offense or defense. Uh, you know, they're burning their red shirt that way that rather than, you know, being a, a key player on this Georgia team. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I agree. And as I mentioned, we should uh, touch real quick on the Nyland Green situation. Arrested early Wednesday morning, uh, booked into Athens Clark County Jail around 3 a.m. Um, five counts, including three felony counts, two possession of a weapon in a school safety zone counts, uh, as well as a second de- second degree criminal dam- damage to property, uh, which is also a felony count, two misdemeanor counts of reckless conduct. Um, looks like this was an incident involving a BB gun. Um, and uh, potentially a broken window. Uh, if it feels familiar, it should, because Julian Rochester and Chad Clay went through the same thing uh, several years ago. Um, you know, uh, Julian and Chad went through a pretrial diversion program, had all the charges dropped, no big deal in the, um, in the ultimate scheme of things. Um, but, you know, hey, that's the news and that's what we have to report. So, um, you know, uh, I hate it for the kid. Uh, somebody said on the board, you know, why was this a felony charge uh, for a BB gun? I think that has way more to do with where this occurred rather than the type of weapon that was involved. Um, but, you know, uh, just a dumb decision, I think, is what all it was. And uh, seems like, a you know, a mistake that I guarantee you Kirby will help him learn from. I, I promise you that. Um but something that overall in the grand scheme, I don't think makes a, um, is a big deal. Um, I, I don't think it's going to, you know, affect the future for Nyland or, or anything like that. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it, a dumb, a dumb decision and yeah. um, be, be, be swept away. I would say by this time next year, I don't think they're probably by the end of next summer, to be quite honest with you. I think that he'll go through that. Probably by the beginning of spring and, and, yeah. you know, it, in terms it, of his impact, in terms of its impact on the football field, at least. Oh, it'll be nil. I, I think it'll be absolutely nil uh, in terms of impact on the football field. So uh, I hate it for the kid, but a uh, good learning opportunity, I suppose. Um, speaking of defensive backs, however, and moving out of the realm of Georgia Tech and Georgia this week, uh, Georgia picks up a big commitment on Sunday. That is consensus five-star uh, defensive back Jaheim Singletary out of Riverside High School in Jacksonville, Florida. If you've watched this show, if you've followed Dogs HQ, if you've seen my Twitter, if you are at all associated with Georgia football recruiting, probably not a huge shock to you uh, to see Jaheim Singletary end up in red and black. But, hey, look, 
five stars are five stars, right? I mean, it, it's always a good feeling when you pick one up. It's always great for the future. Uh, and Jaheim Singletary, one of those guys, one of those guys who brings a lot to the field, really think he, he can be an impact maker moving forward. Yeah, this is certainly a position of need for Georgia, uh, you know, with, with the potential losses. I mean, a, a very similar story to what we said about when Julian Humphrey committed. This is a position of need for Georgia that they attacked hard in this recruiting class, the secondary as a whole, not necessarily just corner, but right now they've got three corners committed between Singletary, Humphrey, and, and Groves Killebrew. Um, I, I think that they, they've, you know, it, it's pretty clear that – Secondary has been an emphasis because of what they're likely to lose uh, after this season. You've got Lewis seen likely on his way out, uh, you know, Darian Kendrick on his way out. And, and, and I guess those are the only two guys that you know you're going to lose, but you've got a lot of guys that you could lose. And, and odds are you're going to lose at least a couple of them, if not all of them in Chris Smith. Uh, is someone who has the ability to come back and, and very well could, but at the same time, very well could test the waters. Latavius Brini, same boat. Uh, Amir Speed, same boat. William Poole is a guy that, you know, hasn't made a huge impact at Georgia during his time uh, in, in Athens, uh, but but certainly is is at least big from a depth perspective because you've seen him get in games this season, late in the games, and make impact plays. Um, so I think that, you know, knowing that you're going – potentially going to lose those six guys. Um, and that's before you even potentially have a transfer, you know, from a younger guy that you weren't expecting. I think it's very clear that this had to be an emphasis for Georgia in this recruiting class. And we've seen it over the last two commitments between Singletary and Humphrey. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, what I like about Humphrey, especially um, <coughs> when you're talking about. Uh, you mean Singletary? Look- or I'm sorry, yeah, Singletary, uh, because he's the, the because he fits into this mold. You know, Ke- uh, Keely Ringo, that big long guy. Uh, Julian or uh, uh, Jaheim, not as fast um, as Keely, but similarly long. Um, a couple big guys, and um, I, I think Jaheim, uh, long impact maker, aggressive when the ball's in the air. I really like that about him. He's uh, he's a guy who you know uses his hands well. He he can he can hand fight with you. And, uh, you know, causes a lot of breakups that way. So, um, look, Georgia's been chasing the guy for a long time. Ohio State wanted the guy. He was committed there at one point. Florida wanted a piece of him. Um, But once he backed off of that Ohio State commitment, this one was all Bulldogs. You got to credit, you know, really several members of this coaching staff. Kirby Smart was instrumental in this one. Jamal Adai, obviously, is the defensive backs coach. But, you know, kudos and, and probably hats off most to Will Muschamp. I think he did a fantastic job. Uh, you can go read the comments over at Dogs HQ from Singletary. Chad Simmons with uh, some insight over there. But, um, you know, Will Muschamp, uh, really a, a key, key part of this one. And um, he has been, I think, for several of these guys in, in this cycle. So uh, impressive job. Hats off to uh, Coach Boom uh, for, for, for stealing the deal on a few of these guys. Yeah. Um, also worth noting that with this commitment, Georgia moved into the number one recruiting spot in the consensus team rankings uh, ahead of Alabama and Texas A&M. Um, they're going to have some tough competition here coming up uh, with, with, you know, those two schools trending in, in, in the recruitment of several different, you know, high caliber players. Um, Jake, do you think they finish off with the number one class or, or do you think that, uh, that the Crimson Tide or, or Aggies pass them in, in the, in, 
Well, it's going to go all the way to February, right? I mean, it'll go past that signing day. So I think a lot of it's determined by what happens as the ultimate result of the college football season. I think if Georgia were to win the national championship, um, then yeah, they. I think that that's probably a slam dunk for them. I think that they'll probably get some unexpected guys uh, or some guys that, you know, maybe lean in, you know, uh, or undecided kind of flip flopping around. I think that that could really help convince some guys. Um, but, you know, look, Alabama is Alabama uh, when it comes to recruiting. Uh, like you said, Texas A&M really on the tear as well. I think it's going to come down to Georgia and Alabama in the end. And um, like I said, I, I think postseason uh, results may be the ultimate determining factor as to what kids end up deciding to do. Uh, but Georgia with a, re- a very real shot at it. And, um, you know, that's, you know, I talked about this on the Bill Shanks show yesterday. Uh, you know, that's when you're talking about getting into that self-replicating monster. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're moving away from the idea of rebuild and it's all about reload. And uh, Georgia certainly setting themselves up that way. You're the number one team. Now you're bringing in a number one class. That's the way to keep that all kind of perpetuating. So, absolutely. And and, and look, if if Georgia doesn't end up with the number one class, which which is you know possible. I mean, looking at things right now, Alabama has more five star commits, more four star commits, and, and but less commits overall. They've got nineteen to Georgia's twenty three. Um, and there's there's some three stars in there for Georgia, uh, but there there's some guys that that you know may be uh, you know undervalued in terms of the way that the recruiting industry sees them uh you know got to give credit to Kirby Smart in the way that they have and he and during his entire time at Georgia that his staffs have evaluated players of that caliber brought them in and and, and developed them into the players that they are today I mean and, you, you saw it with Eric Stokes sure. let's not forget that the Jordan Davis was in that same category sure. um you know Tay Crowder is is another guy so it's it's not you know it's not a knock on Georgia for the three stars. It's it's helping them right now, uh, but but that could be you know the the deciding factor between uh, you know what Georgia ending up with the number one or number two uh, class you know in, in terms of its competition with Alabama there. But also like you said, I, I do think that the outcome of SEC championship college football playoffs could have a big impact in this. I mean, we already know that we're going to see Alabama and Georgia square off on, on the field this season. Uh, you know, if, if Georgia is able to get over that hump, I think that that's a, you know, big, big check mark for them in, yes. on the recruiting trail saying, you know, ki- kids don't have to think, Oh, can I go to Georgia and can I beat Alabama? They've, they, they'll be able to see it, uh, which, which they haven't been able to see before. They've been able to see that they can compete with them. Uh, but I think that being able to beat them would be a huge step in the right direction for Kirby Smart and, and, and certainly something that he could sell on the recruiting trail. Yeah, no question about it. I, I think that that would be um, – it's, it's one less question you have to answer, right? And um, I, I think that you want to erase all doubt in everybody's mind when it comes to recruiting – um, so yeah, I, I think that, uh, it, it, it's crucial too, to remember that we're getting ready to move into all-star season. And so we're probably due up to see some shifts when it comes to the rankings. Uh, we just had a big ranking update over it on three, but, um, make sure to keep eyes on it after the, you know, the army bowl and, uh, the under armor all American game. Uh, those things are going to really help dictate a lot of this because that's when you really get to see elite competition versus elite competition. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, fair or foul, don't 
play the best competition in high school. Uh, they're amazing for that reason. They, you know, they're, they're the best athletes in their region and sometimes in their States. Um, but you know, how does it translate when you're playing guys who are just as good as you? So uh, I think that it's always interesting to see how things fetter themselves out after all-star season. Um, all right. I think that's it for me. Palm, you got anything else, buddy? Jake, one big important question since we're putting this one out on Thursday. We're talking about it on Wednesday. Give me your ideal Thanksgiving plate. Ooh, uh, ideal Thanksgiving plate. For me, uh, I want some I want some turkey uh, for sure. Got, got uh, now, I want a piece, now, I do want a piece of ham as well, though. And I want the honey glazed ham. I like the, I like the, the brown sugar honey thing. Um, to be honest with you, other than that, I don't really need shit else but dressing. Uh, I, I want the rest of the plate filled with dressing. Uh, I, I eat dressing uh, and maybe a little cranberry sauce, uh, the, 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 the can kind. I don't, I don't need your fancy homemade cranberry sauces. Uh, just open up the can of ocean spray, dump that gelatinous piece of uh, cranberry out, and uh, let me mix it in with the, the, uh, the, the dressing. But I'm a, I'm a dressing freak. Um, my big thing is what I like to do, Make a whole other pan of dressing. Dressing, not stuffing. I, I don't acknowledge the existence of stuffing. Stuffing is not real, in my opinion. I don't know who eats stuffing. I, I what don't is associate stuff? with people. What, what, yeah, I don't associate what? with people. Uh, please don't. Please tune out of this podcast if you like stuffing. Um, but just go ahead uh, and unsubscribe <laughs> to, on three in general if you're a stuffing person. But um, but I, I like to take the dressing, put it in the fridge, get it cold, let all the flavors marry cut that thing up like a, just a, a hunk and just, just munch on it. Dude. That's, that's to me, that's the best part of Thanksgiving. The, the oh. leftover, the leftover sandwich, this thing, the Thanksgiving sandwich, where a, you class, just throw a class all together on uh, either for dinner or on, on the next day. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely a classic a and cheap, soft white bread. Uh, oh yeah. You, and you, if, you and if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I will say, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving and is has got to be the uh, sweet potato casserole. I mean, you, you, put, choice. You, you put some marshmallows on top, man, that is good. good. <laughs> um, Paul's you know, excited you, over here. I, I'm, 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 yeah, we got to wrap this thing up because I'm getting hungry <laughs> just talking about it. But yeah, thank Thanksgiving. Always a fun holiday. Former offensive lineman and me comes out, uh, ready to eat, uh, ready to, you know, devour some turkey, put that gravy on it, uh, dressing. And, and, you know, like you said, I, I want a little bit of ham, little, a little bit of beef, you know, not all turkey because, because, you know, beef, what kind of beef? Any, any beef. You know? <laughs> now that is, now that is an offensive lineman if I've ever heard him folks. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. I, I love Thanksgiving for this reason. I, I it's to me, we don't eat dressing food, enough in football, this country. Family, yeah. what, I mean, food, football, family. Could, what more could you want? What more could you want? Well, and you know, and one of the best things too, I think about the Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm getting ready to go do it myself, is uh, going and having some beers with old friends uh, when they come into town the night before Thanksgiving. Always a great tradition as well. Good to good to get everybody together, say hey, and. Uh, that way you don't have to worry about it around Christmas either. So last uh, question, are you in or out on, on pumpkin pie? 
Oh, definitely in on pumpkin pie for sure. A uh, uh, big, big dollop of sour or uh, of uh, whipped cream on top. Uh, get your cool whip, uh, throw that on there. But, but absolutely a pumpkin pie guy. No, no problem with pumpkin pie whatsoever. Uh, really more so than, Prob- than pecan pie. Yeah, I'd probably take the, I'd probably take it over pecan. Um, uh, you know, I both have their place. Uh, I think both are special to me. Pumpkin pie, the uh better thanksgiving dessert pecan pie one of those things you can have whenever uh you you don't have a pecan you don't have a pumpkin pie in april uh but you could have a pecan pie um i I, I like putting a little bit of both on my plate and uh you know just like you said this this is a holiday where you got to come ready to eat so you know if 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 you're listening to this early thursday morning just just you know hold out hold out till you till you're uh (laughs) till you're ready to go don't fill yourself because the food is, is going to be worth it. Yeah, wear, this, wear the stretchy pants. Uh, get ready to loosen the belt a little bit and, uh, you know, get the nap in. Uh, it's crucial as well. Get the Cowboys game on. Uh, thank, uh, thankful that we don't have to watch the Falcons play on Thanksgiving, for God's sakes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I love it. Love Thanksgiving. And uh, thankful for you, Palm. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you and all you do over at Dogs HQ for us, brother. Right back at you, Jake. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this edition of Dog Walk Talk. Really appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving and look forward to speaking with you after clean old fashioned hate. Hopefully we'll be talking about Georgia wrapping up a perfect regular season and looking ahead into the matchup with Alabama that everybody's been anticipating for so long. For myself and Palmer Toms, this has been Dog Walk Talk presented by Dogs HQ. We'll see you later. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, It's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 